the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Greetings, and it's meeting time. And today we're going to introduce the seventh step of recovery, that we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings, our sins. My friends, I meet with you today with over 28 years of recovery and healing from multiple addictions, and I've learned and experienced that by applying these life-changing 12 steps these many decades, that they interact and they're interwoven together. However, Christian recovery literature instructs that these 12 principles must be worked in order. And I say this because some people want to jump in anywhere they please. They want to take shortcuts, and their recovery becomes artificial, tainted, and short-lived. Step 7 proves the wisdom of working the steps in order from the beginning. This seventh step is the culmination of the first six steps, and we're going to recognize their interaction in a minute. Recovery literature advocates that step seven is a turning point in our recovery. You see, it's at this stage of our journey where we let go of the spiritually dead traits that have kept us from being the person God intended us to be. We get out of our own way accepting that our way of dealing with life has caused nothing but problems, misery, and pain. This is when we pray for the Holy Spirit to flow into our lives and replace these character defects with character strengths. Now, this sounds simple enough, but we must be aware of roadblocks. We must remember we have an adversary that will pull out all stops to keep us in his control. The last thing Satan wants us to do is use the spiritual tools we've learned in the first six steps. And that's what prepares us to ask God to remove our sins, our defects, our chains of addiction. Step seven. Listen, if this seventh principle is ignored, we are doomed for failure. So we too must pull out all stops to combat Satan's onslaught. Now, I just mentioned that these 12 steps are interwoven. So let's retrace our steps and draw on the spiritual tools that's led by the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to tell Satan to get behind thee. In the first six principles, we focused on stopping the progression of our obsessive, compulsive, deadly addiction. Step one, we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives are unmanageable. Step two, witnessing the miracle of others gave us newfound faith that we too would be restored to sanity, to wholeness. And then in step three, we made the most important decision of our lives. That's turning our life and will over to the care of God. And this is a perfect time to accept Christ as our Savior and have the determination to follow his instructions. 
And then four, five, and six, we journaled. We unearthed our sins, our defects. Then we confessed them and became ready and willing to have God remove them from our inner being. Now, these steps brought clarity to our lives, and they're the foundation for the rest of our journey. They lead us to step seven, where the willingness in step six becomes a request in step seven that God remove our defects. Now, let's root out some of Satan's roadblocks. In previous meetings, we learned that addiction is spiritual warfare. It starts in our mind, and Satan floods our minds with negative thoughts and lies. He uses our self-will, having us believe that we're in control and can heal thyself. And then he tickles our mind with euphoric thoughts of our lifestyle, refuting the pain, misery, and humiliation that we're living with. It's called denial. And then he bombards our mind with sorrow and grief when we think about letting go of some of our character traits that have been deeply ingrained in us. He tells us we can't survive without these behaviors, without our old friends. In essence, Satan entices our old sinful nature with lies, lies, and more lies. So how do we combat this? How do we combat Satan's onslaught? The solutions are found in the Bible, and the Bible is the home of these 12 steps. In Ephesians 6, we're instructed to put on the full armor of God, which consists of the sword of the Spirit, and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And in Romans 12, 2, God gives us a word. He gives us the appropriate verse that rebukes Satan's lies. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Folks, that's step two, being restored to sanity, the renewing of our minds. Now, here's a powerful analogy of renewing our minds. If you're in your garden and you're just cutting weeds, they're going to grow back. To rid ourselves of this rubbish, the weeds must be pulled out by the roots. And in the same token, we need to let God pull out the rubbish of Satan's lies from our mind. And he needs to pull them out from the roots. As a child of God, we're a new creation, a new person inside. But we must take responsibility to take action, to follow God's direction for this change and transformation. And that's by humbly asking God to remove our defects, our sins, our rubbish by the roots. In Proverbs 16, 3, we're taught... Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Now, that sounds like third step stuff to me. When we decide to turn our will and life over to God in this third principle, we have to ask ourselves, was this just lip service or did we sincerely welcome the Holy Spirit's power, love, and guidance into our lives? Did we sincerely ask Christ to be our Savior and do with us as he will? And if so, then why wouldn't we want to apply step seven and ask God to remove the sinful baggage we carry? Do you see how these steps interact? 
In John, 1 John 1, 9, we're taught, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God is always ready and willing to remove our baggage. But alas, Satan throws another roadblock, another trap at us, and it must be dealt with. Listen, humility It's a recurring theme in all these steps, and it's the central idea in step seven that we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. The definition of humility is an act of modesty or submission, and it's only by submission, by surrendering to God's will that will free our spirit and we receive the grace, serenity, joy, and transformation that we yearn for. Now, what's the opposite of humility? It's called pride. And the definition of pride is an excessive high opinion of oneself, conceit, or arrogance. And that's the trap that will put a halt to this journey of recovery. Pride. We must remember for years in our delusional mindset of pride, ego, and self-will, we called all the shots and giving up control to God might be difficult. You see, our pride tells us we don't need God's intervention. This is important. Asking God to remove our shortcomings is different than allowing God to do what only he can do. You see, we'll ask for his intervention, and then we take it back. That's called control issues. And because of our self-will, pride, and control, we short-circuit God's plan for us. We may demand that changes happen on our own timetable. We want God to fix us instantly and take away all our problems. We may whiz through the rest of the steps as if recovery is a race. We become focused on what we want and when we want it. And through this thought process, our pride, ego, self-will edges God out. In essence, we play God. And then we wonder why we keep doing the same old, same old. And that's why humility is an important part of this principle, which takes us to the scripture I ask you to reference in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. God anointed Jeremiah as his prophet to warn the people of Judah of the consequences to come because of their disobedience and sins. And Jeremiah instructed them to repent and turn from their sins, to obey God's plans. But the people ignored his passion and pleas, rejected God's instructions, and they suffered terrible consequences. God told Jeremiah to go to the potter shop to demonstrate his authority, power, and dealing with the people of Judah. And it's a life lesson of God's sovereign dealings with your life and my life this very day. What Jeremiah witnessed was a potter at his will making a jar. But it wasn't coming out right, so he crushed it into a lump of clay, and he started over. Then the Lord gave this message. Can I not do to you as the potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. My friends, God is the potter, and you and I are the clay in his hands to mold us as he wishes. Either blessings in our humility or judgment because of our pride. 
In Isaiah 45, 9, the prophet warns us, What sorrow awaits those who argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong. In other words, God is saying, What right do you have to question me? Listen, we can't get this twisted. If we act as if we're the potter, our lives will be full of spiritual broken jars defects, and sin. Finally, listen to me. We might not understand why our shortcomings are removed as we would have them, but we must remember a whole lifetime geared to rebellion, self-centeredness, and control. They won't be reversed all at once, but we can trust that God is working according to his plan In Isaiah 57, God speaks to us. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble, revive the courage of those with the repentant heart. I have seen what they do, but I will forgive them anyway. My friends, we need to let go of directing and managing our lives and humbly throw ourselves on the potter's will to be molded and shaped by his hands one day at a time, one shortcoming at a time, and then we can have confidence that God will replace our character defects with character strengths as long as we remain the clay. Amen? Powerful message. Thank you, Father. Next week, folks, we're nearing the birth of Christ. So we're going to hold off on Step seven, part two, and for the next two weeks, our meetings are going to consist of a Christmas special with a special guest. You don't want to miss these meetings. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.